0: Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical, engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical device, digital health, diagnostics, and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch Robbins. All right, welcome back to another episode here on the MedTech Talent Lab. I am your host, uh, Mitch Robbins, the founder and managing director here at the Anthony Michael Group. For those of you just listening uh, to the podcast for the first time, the Anthony Michael Group we help organizations across the life sciences to build best in class teams on the technical side of the business. So we work with medical device, digital health, diagnostics businesses as it relates to uh, functional areas like regulatory affairs, quality, engineering, etc. While simultaneously helping candidates to enhance and or advance their own careers, Uh, the MedTech Talent Lab is all things talent related, whether it's talking about building high-performing teams or how uh, to build your career by listening to other uh, success stories or trials and tribulations they face. And today, I'm excited. We've got a really special guest because this guy uh, is so involved in the MedTech space and offering so much value to the community. I, I needed to have him on the show to really help get the message out about what he is doing. We're, we're talking with uh, Mr. Dwayne Mancini. But let me just g- give you a brief overview of his background. And then we'll kind of talk about uh, uh, the topic for today. Uh, Dwayne holds his bachelor's and master's degree in medicinal and biological chemistry from the University of Toledo. And over the last 10 plus years or so, he's held a variety of roles in the medical device industry, including being a chemist, a senior technical advisor, and most recently has held a couple different business development roles, both for NAMSA and in his director position at LabCorp today. Now, here's the cool part. Simultaneously, Dwayne is the founder of this company called Project MedTech. And there, he hosts a podcast in which he interviews leading experts in the medical device industry on a variety of topics related to major successes, failures, pitfalls, and, of course, trends. Uh, Like I said, I'm really excited that, that he's here with us today because, as you'll learn, Project MedTech is so much more than just a podcast. And the resources the company is offering to MedTech startups now and in the coming future are really immense. So Dwayne, without further ado, man, I'm honored that you're here. Thanks so much for being here. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm doing great, Mitch. Thanks for having me. This is really exciting.
0: Absolutely. And you know, in full transparency, I found out about you not too long ago. And the reason I found out about you is because of all the great content uh, that you've been posting on social media related to Project MedTech and and some of the uh, guests that you've been hosting
1: yeah no I appreciate it um it, you know it's uh it's been it's it's a grind sometimes uh to get that much content out but it's it's very much worth it
0: yeah well i Kudos to you, man. I think it was just recently that you posted that you just crossed over the 100th episode, if I'm not mistaken, on your podcast.
1: Yeah. So um, the podcast series is is actually two different series within one platform. Um, okay. We are looking into spinning those out into their own separate platforms to make it easier. But um, yeah, combined, we have So we have two different hosts. We have myself, and then we have Giovanni Loricella, who hosts our MedTech Money series. And between the two of us, I think we've just released 71 on mine and 44 on his. So yeah, it's been great.
0: Well, like I said, kudos to you guys. I have nothing but the utmost respect because I know firsthand what it is uh, as far as the amount of work that goes into producing content and getting it out on a consistent basis. And that's something that uh, I aspire to uh, hopefully following, following you guys' footsteps as far as the volume and the quality. So yeah, uh, nice work well, on that, man.
1: Yeah, I love it. I think you're, you're hitting on a great point too. It's the consistency. Um, boy, it is it is hard to be consistent. But if you just, it's like a snowball effect. Once it once you get going on it, it just doesn't stop. Because I see so many folks who come out with really good podcasts and there's like 10 episodes. And it stops and you're just like, ah, I want more, you know? So um, yeah, yeah, great point there.
0: Well, listen, man, you're here today uh, because like I said, I really respect the value that you guys are putting out into the, to the med tech space. Let's talk, let's just jump in and talk about project MedTech. How did you come up with this idea and when was it? It was about a year, year and a half ago or so.
1: Yeah. April of 2020. Um, so I was transitioning from NAMSA uh, over to LabCorp. And when I was at NAMSA, I was working in, in a capacity, I was working with a lot of their, their startup clients. Um, so a lot of startup companies and trying to help them merge regulatory reimbursement, clinical commercialization, and, and how those all feed into each other. Right. Um, so I was having these conversations, a lot of startups and the conversations just, it felt like I was on repeat. It was the same topics, same conversations, same issues. Because because the one thing I tried to get from them was, hey, this is what we're solving for you. But what are the other you know issues you're having? What are the other burning topics on your desk right now as a startup med tech CEO? And so, you know, we would we would get this great feedback from them, and and then it, it just dawned on me. I was like, man, I wish I could. I could record some of these conversations and just put them out. I put them out there Mm. into the med tech universe and and let it be consumed. So, so that's where it came from. And then it was the the classic example of like, well, do I go to LabCorp with this idea or do I just say, Hey, you know what? I want to own this content. Right. So, so that's what Mm. I ultimately settled on. So I, so I opened up the company. So yeah, it, it started out as a podcast and, um, boy, we've expanded into quite a bit now. Um, so, if it makes sense, I'd love to tell you about where we are current day.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my next question. So it started as a podcast. Yep. You started interviewing these these folks, started gaining all this great content. How has it evolved over the last year and a half?
1: Yeah. So it, it started. Yeah, like I said, it started out with the podcast. There was always this grand plan of, hey, this is where I want to take it, right? And and um, to be frank, I, yeah, I think when I first started, it, it was like, yeah, five years from now, maybe Project MedTech is something that I can actually. Do something with, right? Uh, there was no really plan to accelerate it, but like you said, you know, we got 20 episodes in and then all of a sudden I started, you know, just kind of going through and checking the list and saying, Oh, we've actually had some, you know, bigger names here. This is good. We're getting good content. Um, people are responding to it. People are sending us emails about how helpful it is. So, um, I, I, I kind of, you know, went to that second phase, right? So, um, we've we've fast, flash forward to now we are a team of there's four of us so so i am the founder but i have three co-founders with me who helped accelerate some of this growth um and we do a number of different things so so we have our media side of the company which is going to be project MedTech's podcast series there is the MedTech Money series within there as well. So that series is run by Giovanni Loricella and he is focus. it's focused completely on raising capital from uh, the entrepreneur side, the investor side from pre-seed all the way through going public. Um, Cause we found through my episodes that there's a lot of engineers, doctors, scientists, who are the founders of these companies who know nothing about raising capital. And it, the best way to learn of course is reading and, and various things but but it's listening to people's experiences and hearing that so so that's why we spun that out in its own series and then we have our series or my series that i host and 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 that is focused on anything med tech so it could be everything from regulatory reimbursement clinical networking commercialization recruiting um, the culture you want to build it's really just entrepreneurial focus with a with a spin on med tech, right? So, so there's those two activities. We have our virtual med tech happy hours, which are a little more interactive. And that was feedback directly from listeners of, hey, I I love what you're doing. I'd love to interact with these folks, right? So we came out with these virtual happy hours on Zoom where, you know, we only get 20 to 30 people, but it's uh, 20 to 30 people who are all contributing on one specific subject with like a guest speaker, right? That's the the kind of feel behind it. Sometimes there's a presentation, sometimes there's not. So those have been really effective because there's a lot of experts on there. There's a lot of great conversations. So those those work out really nice. And then next year, we're launching our startup symposiums. So these are in-person events. Um... They're targeted at areas that are not Boston, San Francisco, or Minneapolis, because those are the meccas of med tech, right? So we're focusing on other areas that we think are up and coming, but but can use some connections to the bigger, broader med tech audience. So that's the kind of goal behind it. Um, Those will be... Offering very similar things. Like our first one is in Akron, Ohio. We're gonna have someone come in and talk about risk management, IP strategy, commercialization, regulatory, reimbursement, clinical, uh raising capital. Right. So so we're gonna cover all these different topics, a great networking event. So so that's our media in, side. In person doing in person, yep. Nice, nice. Yeah. So so those those can be found. Everything can be found on our website, projectmedtech.com. Um but then we also have our consulting side of the business, right? So that's launching. Uh, we just made the announcement yesterday um, that that we're going to be launching it. Um, I'll be the managing partner over there, and 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 our consulting team is focused on building successful med tech companies, right? So there's a difference between a successful medical device and a med tech startup. Um, a lot of people have great technologies that that don't end up making it to market because their company wasn't. Built the way it needed to be built, right? So, our focus is that we're strategic consultants that understand the life cycle of a med tech company, all the various things you need to do, how you should set those up, how do you execute, what can be, what what, what you can overlap. We have no interest in having regulatory reimbursement, clinical uh, CFO services, none of those kind of services in house. We want to. Send that out to our preferred partner network, um, but but as actual consultants, that's our focus. We're we're really almost like a virtual accelerator in a way, um, if you want to think of it that way. So that's that's the current landscape of of Project MedTech as a whole.
0: That's amazing.
1: So when you started
0: this, when it was just a podcast, you would mentioned, "Hey, in five years or so, I'm you know maybe this will morph into more." Did you have kind of this roadmap in your head already, or this has happened as you've been? I guess in the trenches talking with folks.
1: Yeah, I, I had the roadmap in my head in in April at a very rough level. I would say the first time I got it down on paper was September October of 2020. Of I knew the problems. It was just, well, how do you how do you try to solve them? And and I don't know if this is the solution or not, right? Um, but that's kind of this. That's where this media play, this media company comes in, is those aren't my thoughts and opinions. I'm, I'm reaching out to thought leaders in the industry, right? And right. getting their thoughts and opinions and just putting it out there for, for you to determine as a MedTech CEO or, or, or whatever, hey, this sounds like a good idea or this could be something I take advantage of. So um, I would say September, October is when I, I really sat down with one of my first co-founders and said, this is my idea. I need help getting it on paper. That's awesome. Yeah, and as
0: you're talking about, you know, releasing this whole new arm, so to speak, as far as consulting services, yep. are you saying that basically they would come to you as the central hub as far as what they need, and then you would have preferred partners, consultants who specialize in the key areas of of expertise and of need? Is that what yep. you're saying? Yeah,
1: exactly. So. Um... You know, we would, the, the way our consulting team would work is a consultant advisor, you know, whatever you want to call it, that's how we're acting. Um, our preferred partner network is something that we're taking great pride in. We're doing a lot of due diligence. We want to make sure that the people that we refer them to actually work with startup companies, right? There's, there's a lot of people who will tell you, yeah, we work with startups, and they they don't actually work with startups right so mm-hmm. so we're 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 taking that upon us to say you need a regulatory consultant here's a list of 3 right here's who we've worked with in the past here's why we think where they're good we're doing due diligence in terms of therapeutic area right so we're trying to build out this partnership network and and really give these startups access to the global network we've been building for you know, our, our existence of Project MedTech, but beyond our existence, right? Our career so far in the medtech space is we want to open that up for these, these, these people because they
0: need it. That's awesome. And what a great segue, man. You're a wealth of insight when it comes to what startups are going through, because you talk to these folks on on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. If you had to sum up the theme of challenges or gripes that you hear from, you know, founders, CEOs of Mm -hmm. small, small businesses, what are two or three common themes that you hear?
1: Yeah, um funding is without a doubt an issue. Um you know, whether it's, uh, it's 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 non-dilutive funding or or actually raising capital from friends and family, angel investors, family offices, VCs, whatever it is, that's always going to be uh a hot topic for them, right? <laughs> um and 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 of course, because you, you need capital to, to have a company, unfortunately. So, so that's always a hot topic. Um, and, and I don't really want to belabor that too much, but, but the other one is one of the other big ones is, is your team, right? So, so how do you build your team? Is it, do you fractionalize everybody? Do you bring everybody on when we've had this conversation, I guess, or this debate on the podcast and in, in multiple episodes, um, And, and I think that based on the interviews I've done, the information I've found, I I think it falls somewhere in the middle there. Um, You know, it's, it's probably a little bit of you, you, you build out a, a, you have some people come on full time, others are fractionalized, but I think that is a source of, of pain for a lot of executives because you can't get it wrong. You know, a startup doesn't have. If you're at Medtronic, Boston Scientific, any of those strategics, of course you don't want to screw up. But if you make a mistake with a hire, you have you have you have a gap in your capital there. You have runway. You have you you have a little piggy bank. You have a nest egg, right? In these startups, you don't. So so if you have to go, you know, make a regulatory hire, and you screw up and you waste three months, that could be the nail in the coffin for you, right? So I think uh, these startups stress a lot about team members and who they're going to work with and how they bring them on and, and who's that full for, who's that first full-time hire, what's that look like? So that is a conversation I have a lot with a lot of folks. And, and to be honest, it's different every time because I think it depends on the skill set of that CEO. You know, where Absolutely. are you at? You know, and, and you see this a lot, I'm sure, in your profession, right? On how you build these teams. Um, yeah. So I think that's a big one. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I, I think it's easy to look at technology and things like that and, 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 and make that. But but of course, you have to do that. It's these other things like raising capital, your team. And then um, I have one more as well. But, but I want to pause first because I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear your input on the team, right? Like, what do you see?
0: Yeah, I think, I think the takeaway that I took from what you just said is it depends on the skills of the CEO, but, you know, we've worked with a variety of startups recently and the amount of stress that they feel about not getting it wrong uh, as far as the hires is, is tremendous because like you said, there's only so much runway that they have mm-hmm. and, and um, it could be a real headache if they get it wrong. And I've seen a couple things go sideways where they really were put back three to six months. Uh, not only the time that they were uh, dealing with to recruit the person, but then the aftermath of having the wrong person, having to, you know, kind of um, start over and, and, and uh, do damage control. Um, the other thing I see when it comes to the team piece is just the decision of, hey, should we outsource this on a consulting basis a little bit longer or should we bring it in-house? And at one point, do we transition and bring it in-house? Um uh, especially in the regulatory world, a variety of other worlds too, but I'm sure that's come up in your conversations as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. That's definitely something that comes up. And and to be honest, that that kind of segues into the next biggest conversation. And that is at the very beginning, how crucial it is to understand at a high level regulatory reimbursement commercialization. Um, and how that should funnel into your business decision, right? Oh my um, gosh, hundred percent. It's it's so big. It's so. I've big. seen
0: it so many times doing where, and we've had. I've had this conversation on different podcasts, whether it be mine or being a guest on others. Where if you're not taking into account your regulatory roadmap, your regulatory pathway early right. enough, and you get down the road, product development wise, or you're working on prototypes, you're not even necessarily thinking or taking that into account. How you almost like going back so much further
1: than you could have gone forward. Had you thought about that ahead of time? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, there's on that commercialization piece, you know, who you're going to sell to, who's going to be the influencers, all those various things, those, you know, that, that is probably going to change the life cycle of your company, but you need to have a good idea of that. But the biggest thing, I'm not saying you have to have it all figured out at the beginning, but you need to understand how changes in one of these pillars affects that other pillar affects this pillar. And, and, you know, regulatory strategy and and a regulatory strategist is different than a regulatory consultant right you you want someone it's it's not always the easiest path to market it what makes what makes the best sense for your business decision and a good regulatory consultant will understand that and work with you on that because and, and you have to have that especially for a startup a, a regulatory consultant sees the world of product development under regulatory eyes, right? A regulatory lens. Um, You know, they might say, oh, you could get a 510k and be substantially equivalent to this and get to market quicker. That doesn't necessarily, getting to market quicker doesn't always necessarily mean commercial success, right? Right. So so let me me give an example so it's not too convoluted. Um, A common thing I've seen on a couple of startups that I've worked with is they have an end goal in mind for a specific product. Um, and maybe wound care, for example, is a is something they can achieve earlier. And they and their plan is, hey, well, I'm gonna go for a 510K here, even though my real indication is a de novo. But they're gonna waste time doing that 510K. They're gonna waste money doing that 510K and get into the wound care market, which is littered with products. So the the question becomes is, is that a good use of your time? Are you going to achieve any kind of market access there? And, and I think sometimes, you know, the regulatory consultants like, yeah, great. We'll do this. Then we'll do this. But Mm -hmm. the commercialization arm should be there saying, can we even sell this? Are we going to make any money here? I mean, are we just going to waste time and and waste investor dollars? So, um, those are the three biggest things I see and they're all fairly related, (laughs) right? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Let me wrap up by asking this: Is there, with all
0: these conversations that you've had and all the insights that you've gathered, has there any has there been any pitfall or stress or pain points that have come up that have taken you by surprise?
1: Um, from a it, one of the most surprising things I've 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 heard on the podcast, and this is from an investor side mm-hmm. uh, point of view, every investor I've ever talked to. For, except for this one, has said they'll take a B product and an A team, right? And that's just always rung true to me. They, they, they've used the classic example, you bet on the jockey, not the horse, like, you know, all this stuff, right? And, and, and I was like, yeah, that makes total sense. You want the team, um, that, that, that makes way more sense. You're investing in that. I, I did have one investor say they only care about the technology because they can replace the team. Mm. And, and, and it, it, it took me by surprise. Um, that was the most surprising thing I've had on the podcast that just like came, came right to mind, you know? Um, and, and, but, but thinking of that, I did think of one more that's probably more related to startups. Um, One of the startup surprising things is I talk to a lot of startup CEOs and I say, well, what's your biggest thing when you're building out your team? Where do you focus on? A lot of people outsource regulatory, outsource reimbursement. They'll bring up IP. They'll bring up an investment banker. I had someone, the podcast isn't released yet, bring up uh, your digital footprint and media and your storytelling. And you don't really realize how important that is, or at least CEOs don't call that out maybe necessarily, but your your persona your uh, pitch um, your website um, your storytelling everything you do from the very beginning is incredibly important and you don't really realize it or prioritize it sometimes but you need to I mean in terms of selling your product investment dollars exiting to a strategic that's all important and it's got to be from the very beginning because first impressions could, sink you right off the bat.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's all, yeah. it's all telling the story together, right? Everything's got to be uniform, um, and, and representing the brand that you want to put out there. Yeah, um, and with the power of what's going on with social media, we talked at the beginning of the show of how I found you, right? If yeah. you're not putting out the right message across your content and across, um, every piece that represents you, it's, it, it, it definitely can have a negative effect. And I think yeah. that, when you've got so many things on your mind as far as where's our money coming from, how are we going to get it to market, who's going to, who are we selling this to, why are we selling this, what's our competitive strategy, sometimes I don't think people realize the importance of that other piece and see it as a secondary versus as a, a priority.
1: And, and you know, in, in my opinion too, you're kind of talking about like a little bit of networking here. The whole notion of, of I think when, when COVID first hit, you know, obviously it pulled through Zoom meetings and, and video meetings, um, you know, up in a vacuum and people are like, oh, well, this will do until we can get back to meeting in person. And there's no doubt meeting in person is fantastic, but not meeting someone in person is not a good enough excuse to move forward with business relationships. And I think people are starting to realize that is, uh, Mitch, where are you located? Are you in Illinois? Denver or you're in Denver sorry yeah. um i'm in cleveland i mean yeah. we might not meet and you know for 6 months but the few conversations we've had has built a great relationship you know and and so i think people need to realize that and 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 not you know people i still, I still talk to people who are waiting for it to go back to normal and it's like well this should be normal you shouldn't mm-hmm. slow down business because I'm in Cleveland. You're in Denver. If you're mm-hmm. a, if you're a good fit for my startup team, and I'm like, I need Mitch on my team. This this should not hold it up, right? So I yeah. think people need to jump on board with that asap, right? Because it's not going away. I don't care if yeah. COVID doesn't exist anymore, which we know it always will. But if it doesn't exist anymore, distance and geography should not be uh, a hindrance to business. Yeah, I love it. And we're gonna. I think we're gonna leave it there
0: because I think you've shared some great nuggets today. I can't tell you. Uh, the amount of respect I have for you and for what you're doing with Project MedTech uh, and your team. Uh, So please pass along the kudos. uh, Thank you. you I appreciate that. But listen, if you're listening today and you're running a MedTech startup or you know folks who are, listen to what Dwayne and his team are doing as far as um, not only checking out his podcast with a wealth of information there, but the resources that they're putting out as far as the consulting uh, uh, resources and Uh, just so many amazing things that you guys are doing. So thank you so much for being here today. I really uh, appreciate it and wish you guys nothing but the best uh, to come with Project MedTech.
1: Thank you, Mitch. You too. Thanks for having me and everyone should watch out for uh, uh, Mitch being a guest on Project MedTech soon as well.
0: Thanks for listening to the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. For more content-rich episodes, log on to theanthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.